0: I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving husband and father. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow dad and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies, and all the other things guys love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. Mark, now now I wish I used the video and people could see see our two bald heads looking around. <laughs> How you doing, brother?
1: Good, good. I couldn't resist the old uh, visual pigs in space reference, right? Remember from the Muppet <laughs> Show whenever the, yeah. the voiceover came on and they were all looking up like, "Where's that coming from?" <laughs>
0: yeah oh i definitely remember that so (laughs) that's 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 i also wish people could see your office because i always love talking to you because you you look like you're in you know dracula's library or something (laughs) like that you've got all these just awesome old looking books behind you and you've got all your skulls and stuff going on so well i got the
1: big skull up here with some skin on it still no hair but i got the skin but i figure i may as well have some competing skulls in the background to draw people's attention away from the bolts. baldness
0: so the other like so what's do you just do you just like have an obsession with skulls because i know too that when i the first time i met you in person was when you came to cleveland to rock a and you drove right. and you had the skeleton in the car with you <laughs> yeah i had barnaby with me so Mas- i couldn't remember the name i knew yeah, it was something yeah hilarious. that's yeah.
1: right i had him in the passenger seat uh which so that's just been part of my author brand was the skulls and um I have 30 I counted them once I have 36 skulls in this office here you can only see a few of them on the bookshelf yeah I see
0: four me. I think at least behind yeah
1: you. and uh there, there's a bunch like there's a stack of skulls there's the see no evil hear no evil skull uh calendar, uh a ca- candle thing and and I think it's just and even just a good friend Sean Costello he, he, there's skull popping out of the wall uh, oh he I, I gave popped, you
0: his skull yeah.
1: No, he, yeah, no, he found it at a, a, a bazaar and he was shopping. He was like, oh, I, I bought this for you. I thought it would be perfect for you. And it's the skull, like, looks like it's popping out of the wall with a one eyeball. And, and, and I think, so people buy them for me because they know it's a, it's, it's part of my brand. And then the yeah. other thing people do a lot of, and I think this is really kind of cool. And I remember hearing this on, on the creative pen podcast with Joanna Penn was talking about somebody sees a skull meme or anything to do with skeletons. And they post it to my wall on Facebook, or they, they tag me on Twitter or whatever. And I, and I think somebody saw a skull and thought of me. And I'm thinking, that is just, that's, I'm so honored. A, they thought of me, uh, it, to have someone think of you is kind of an honor in and of itself, but it's kind of like when, the, when it actually reflects with the kind of stuff I write. Um, that's even better because it's kind of on brand it's on target. So I, I want people thinking about me, oh, hopefully in a positive manner, not, not like, Oh, damn that Mark.
0: <laughs> Just, well, it's, you know. it, it's funny. You mentioned Joanna, the, the, you know, she that's definitely part of her brand too. But the first time I met her was of course, when we did authors on the train together and uh, <laughs> and i remember when she got to chicago the first thing she wanted to do was go to the surgical tools museum yeah <laughs> and then and then we got to new orleans like i remember one of the main things she wanted to do was go to the museum of death <laughs> of course
1: she did and she wanted to check out the awesome graveyards and all of the. Yeah, absolutely of course. that's it's completely on brand with joe
0: yeah the the museum of death ended up being really disappointing because it wasn't what we thought it was going to be like it, it was basically um about serial killers and stuff and it oh, was oh yeah like once we get like I think she was expecting I think we were all kind of expecting like science stuff about death and all that but it was yeah. like we ended up going in there and feeling kind of weird that we paid because it was all this like they were like prison letters from John Wayne Gacy and and all this stuff And we were oh. like I don't know if I really want to like
1: but pay really, for that and
0: support that yeah. Think about the
1: culture and the history. Just think about all of the things you can do. Ottawa. I was at a museum in Ottawa. And and again, there was not that it was a, about death. It was just like the history of Canada and, and Ottawa and, and stuff like that. And and there were some amazing. Uh, like you know how they used to prop people up for photos and dress them up when they were dead yeah yeah these dead kids are all like wearing yeah i've gone
0: down that internet rabbit hole before yeah and it's
1: just so fascinating there's so many different cultures and historical periods where we treated death differently and then they would make wreaths out of dead people's hair because it was good luck and uh, and, and it was just like the 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 ritual surrounding death that could have been an amazing museum but it's like oh here's some serial
0: killers oh come on i can turn on netflix and watch this yeah <laughs> yeah I, I it just it it was really weird because it just felt like i was like paying to sensationalize that stuff and yeah like there was some stuff in there just about death but it was i don't know we kind of walked around and we were like this is a little mm. even joanna <laughs> so and me and her and Lindsay broker and jay were walking around there just like oh, yeah, okay this is interesting but it, was, but it was that was a fun trip though either way so yeah it'll be what'll be weird for you though is like what i said earlier is when your friends start giving you their skulls like they they're like oh you know when i'm gonna donate my skull to mark
1: I- i'm i'm scared uh, about that happening but I'm <laughs> I, you know uh, i actually i just finished writing a story for dean wesley smith for a workshop i took Because I still take writing workshops, you still got to work on the craft, right? Dude, we never—you're never
0: gonna be perfect. So yeah,
1: but Dean said, uh, you know, uh, I'm surprised you've never written a a a horror story about skulls. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, challenge accepted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice, that's awesome. So I, you know, one thing I do, I I do want to ask you about. Just, I mean, you know, obviously you're um, you're with Draft2Digital, and you guys have been the news some lately. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh you know for for the writers out there i am curious like um you know the again you guys bought smash and that kind of sent shock waves through <laughs> through the indie world so like how's the reception stuff to that been
1: you know what 95 percent maybe even 98 percent um, um happiness and joy and, yeah. and excitement from authors who recognize that both Smashwords and drafted digital have always had an author first approach. I remember it was about a year ago or so uh, I was doing a collaboration with Mark Coker who I have always admired and respected and um, and we were doing a collaboration where we were accepting uh, submissions for authors whether they were published through Smashwords or D2D and we were working in collaboration with Kobo and we thought yeah why don't we Let's work together. And that was such a great experience. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when when our CEO when Chris reached out to to Mark and, and, and sort of pitched the idea, hey, you know what, maybe we should work together better. Maybe we should actually make it official. Because, you know, Smashwords has some things that draft digital doesn't have and draft digital has things Smashwords doesn't have. Why don't we work together to see if we can do more for indie authors rather than worrying about like competition even though it was friendly competition you worry about the competition right so why not just work together um, and so that's just been an amazing experience I think one of the things I love best about it is both teams are it's not a cost-cutting measure it's not hey let's merge Penguin and Random House and get rid of a whole bunch of editors and stuff right no yeah. it's let's merge these companies, uh, these, these companies let's bring everyone on board so we can work together And let's hire more people. (laughs) So um, that just makes me feel uh, like I made a really good decision when I decided to get back into the corporate game, at least part time. Uh, after I tried to step out, and I didn't even make it quite a year before.
0: before <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I was ask like, you yeah. about that a little later too, because I'm curious. Yeah, but that. yeah,
1: but so glad that I that I decided to uh, put my uh, hat back in the ring um, and be a corporate talking head <laughs> for
0: a few. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because like this this merger felt or, or buyout, whatever you want to call it, like felt a lot different than a lot of them are. So. You know, we obviously talk about this stuff a lot on Writers Inc. because we're, we're, me and JD and Jay on that show are a little more focused on talking about traditional publishing world, which, yep. um, you know, JD's hybrid, but he's really got his feet in the traditional world. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and obviously, like, there's so many indie podcasts out there too. Like, we're trying to have a little bit different scope going in. Um, but, uh, and then I'm also a huge video game fan and there's been all kinds of crazy acquisitions and stuff going on with Microsoft buying Activision and Blizzard and, and all this stuff going on. And, um, but this just felt different. Like this didn't feel like. I mean, this felt like something that needed to happen, and and that it was, as you said, was a really good thing for for Mark Coker um, and what he's done for Smashwords, but also for you guys over Drafted Digital, and it's going to be really beneficial for all indie authors moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think so. Just simplify, uh, automate some more processes, and see what we can do in terms of a voice. Like my one of my main drives has been, how do we get indie author titles spotlit more and better with the yeah. big retailers so they can make money from multiple sources rather than be dependent upon one, one place, which a lot of authors are. And, and I don't like that idea. I like the, not, not because I don't like the company, but I just, I like the idea of, okay, if one thing goes south, we have other things to rely on. And, and I think that's a really important thing for long-term success.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, what you guys are doing over there has just been, it's just awesome. And, and, and the cool thing to me is, uh, you know, you guys listen to authors and, and take a lot of feedback. I mean, I remember one thing um, and unfortunately it doesn't really work for me now. Like I don't need it now, like I did before, but you know, I, I remember asking you several times, and I think even asking Kevin several times about the, you know, Hey, can we get royalty splits for collaboration and stuff? And you guys <laughs> nailed that. Yeah. You know? Now, unfortunately yeah. I don't need it because Jay and I are not really collaborating yeah. anymore and actually have behind the scenes done some, um, intellectual property swapping so we're not even right. uh, he's not even having to pay me out anymore because <laughs> we right, just right. we took 100 percent rights of certain things um even though i'm having some fun trouble with amazon right now which is oh really yeah i heard but, i heard you talking about i that. still haven't fixed it just because it's been i need to call them but yeah 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 if essentially only you could talk to somebody <laughs> i know that's the thing i have to try to get somebody on the phone and i've been i had covid and i was out of town i've just had a lot of stuff going on so Uh, But I need to call them because they they're trying to say that my alien invasion series that takes place in Nashville in 2017 was written by a painter from the 1800s so oh
1: wasn't it i thought i thought i recognized that
0: uh, story gustav Klimt is they're trying to say he owns the rights to my book so i don't know if their algorithm just messed up or if someone out there is plagiarizing my like doing like a no content book type of thing oh
1: yeah taking your stuff and yeah and and
0: trying to get ku page reads or something but um i don't know i'll call them eventually and get it fixed but either way that goes well but like i i just uh I, I love the way you guys, you know, work with authors over there. I think that I tell authors I work with all the time. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite tools you guys have is the books to read tool. I mean, when, yeah. when Kevin spoke at the career author, sorry, the um, yeah. Career author, summit this last year, sorry, we, it's been Changed called the name. different things and we're changing the name again. <laughs> so, yeah. so we're like, I, I get confused. So, but it was the career author summit in Nashville in September, which unfortunately you did not get to attend, but, yeah, um, but Kevin Tumlinson was there. And uh, yeah, I told him there, I was like, dude, that's like my favorite tool you guys have. I mean, I think it's just, it's so genius just to have that, that page for your books. And, and the thing I love that, that he, I think he even forgot to mention in the speech that I made sure he mentioned was like, I love how everything's geotagged too. Oh, you know, so I can just send that yeah. one link out, and no matter where my readers are, it'll send them the correct Amazon store. Which even if you're exclusive to Amazon,
1: you can leverage, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But then it's good for Google, it's good for Apple. It's good for Kobo. Nook. Well, there is only one Geo, but at least you know yeah. you've got that. I um I love the fact that you can now put um print book links, you can add audiobook links. I was and gonna mention that too. I love that. You can resort and put whatever. So if you're right now you can use payhip if you're selling direct, but and we're going to be expanding that for more sell direct options. But you can put that logo front and center so it gets the, the first one that they if they click the first one, then you can make it whatever store you want. So I like that idea too.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I just I just saw today too, but I don't know if you saw us, but pay hip you can sell courses on there now.
1: I saw that. Yeah, I think I got an email from them about
0: that. Yeah, I didn't really look into it too much, but I thought that was uh that was that seemed pretty cool. So yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I love what you guys are doing over there. And I think that this whole thing, you know, with smash words and stuff is going to be, uh, is going to be awesome. So yeah. now I mentioned, uh, that you obviously didn't get to come to the career author summit. Um, you are, uh, we're planning on seeing you for the conference we're doing this year. So fingers yes. crossed. I think we're <laughs> going to be good. I think, I think we're going to see. You. I'm
1: allowed so, to cross the border. Yeah. I,
0: I, I, it feels, it feels like things are starting to, uh, Slow, like slow down with everything you know yeah. I, I, th- I think that we're finally kind of getting to that point it, it, it feels yeah. like uh even though I, I I just got COVID for somehow somehow I, I avoided it for two years and I know you said you, <laughs> you've been avoiding it too but yeah uh, but uh but so like how's it been getting back out and traveling and stuff it
1: was to to, to be honest um I, I remember there's a point um there was a point I think the Superstars Writing Seminars in February of 2020 was the last conference I went to. Either that or one of the ones in Vegas with Dean um, and Chris. Um, and I remember at a certain point going, man, it's like, oh, all I see is hotel rooms and airports and <laughs> it'd just be nice to be home. And then this global pandemic happened and I was home for two years or not quite two years. Uh, and it was like, wow, I really miss hotels and airports. But um, it, it, it it was a, it was a different experience. Um, I, I first started to travel in 2021 uh, of November. I went to New Jersey for a conference where I was doing a two-hour keynote, and then I went to 20 Books Vegas, which is like, you know, massive culture yeah. shock for for a boy from Ontario. It's been in lockdown, and and you gotta have a uh, vaccine passport to get into a restaurant that are at like 50% capacity and. Um, And you have to wear a mask everywhere. So it was very a different world. But I do remember when I got to New Jersey and I was about to deliver the keynote and we just finished lunch. And so I'm there in the room full of every attendee from the conference. And I almost wept uh, with pleasure and joy that I missed speaking in front of a group of people in actual real time live where I could see their faces, not on these little squares on a screen but I could actually see their body language. Cause often when I, when I do talks, it's dependent upon the reactions. I will give them more of something if I see they're enjoying it or they're leaning, like you can see people lean in when you say certain things. So it's I kind of, I, I react to the audience a lot and I depend on that. And as much as I love, you know, great, I can talk anywhere in the world using a Zoom uh, session, nothing beats that in-person interaction. Wow. So um, coming back out, and I think I've been to one, two, three, four, conferences uh since the pandemic uh, in person and probably twice as many virtually <laughs> but uh I, I really do miss that in person as you know right when we sit down and we have a meal together and and we can just joke about something we can have a side conversation without disrupting the main conversation like all of those things can happen personally um, that are hard to happen digitally so so I, and, 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 I'm a hugger. Uh, I miss hugging people. I, I think I broke a few ribs, uh, at the last conference. I was at. But.
0: Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same way with that too. I'm a hugger and I love hugging people. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's the big reason that Jay keeps me around is because he's such an introvert. So he knows that I'll go out and entertain everybody, and do, yeah. do all the social <laughs> stuff and he can just have his little one-on-one conversations and go up to his room, sneak away. Perfect. But, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, you, like you said, you can't, uh, you know, people adjusted and they got kind of accustomed to doing things virtually over the last couple of years. And, you know, we obviously had to pivot with the 2020 summit we did. And, mm-hmm. um, but you know, Jay and I have always, we've really stuck our pole in the ground about, um, tr- doing things in person as much as possible. And I mean, COVID did change some things where, uh, you know, we're, we're more, apt to do things online if we need to and 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 one good thing too is that people have kind of become used to that they've learned the technology like it's not you know people zoom became a household word when before it was kind of you know but um but you still like you just can't replace it even for the summit for the summit we had um you know we we did in person and we did um we we had virtual as well and we had a professional film guy come in and um did everything really well and you know we had a there but it was like it was so weird because it was like the people who were virtual kind of had their own little group going on and then we had our whole thing live and it was just like it was a weird separation and i think the people who were virtual enjoyed it but we were just like man like it's so much different being here and like sharing drinks with people and having have sitting like you said you know, sitting down having dinner, like meeting in the lobby for breakfast, or in the restaurant in the morning for breakfast and stuff. Yeah. And, um, Like I remember Jeff Elkins. He he made a he made the comment. He was like, "Man, he's like, if I hadn't to come here, I wouldn't have been able to sit down and had breakfast with JD Barker." He's like, "When when else am I going to be able to do that?" Exactly. And also because of the size of our group, because we only had sixty people there, it made it even easier to do that stuff.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's where the serendipity happens. That's where. You know, you're like, oh, hey, I'm working on this project. I, let's talk about collaborating on that. And, and it just wouldn't come up in natural conversation digitally.
0: No, right? ab- no. It's, yeah. it's funny. Um, I, uh, I, I just got the manuscript today. Actually, I'm going to be editing manuscript for um, my buddies, JP and Abe, who met at our 2020 uh, Authors on a Train event that we did. We did it right before COVID hit. Right. Um and jp and abe met there you know there was only 50 there were 17 of us in this house in california out in oakland and uh and and they met and have since written uh i don't i know that they're working on a six book series and i think they finished the first draft in like three of them and they would have never met if it you know wouldn't have been in person like sharing this house together riding on the train um and it's, it's it's cool for me too to have been the facilitator for that and now i'm getting to Uh, I'm going to be the editor for their manuscript, which is which is really awesome.
1: And those books would not have existed had they not met together at your conference. Right. So that's the power, the unspoken power of those in-person connections. I mean, I I remember multiple times I was an editor of an anthology and I was at a a panel and there was a science fiction writer I knew well, uh, and he's always been a science fiction writer to me. And, and during the panel, he talked about the very first short story he wrote was a horror story. And, and, I, and I was like, whoa. And at the end of the panel, I'm like, hey, Jim, I'm editing an anthology. It's invitation only. Uh, can you, do you want to write another horror story? Love to have you in it. It never would have happened had we not been sitting there together. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been invited to anthologies just because I happen to be sitting there and, you know, heck, someone gets a text or whatever and like, oh, hey, it looks like I'm, I've got this project. You want you want in on it? <laughs> like you're right there when it happens um that's magic that is true magic that in-person connection
0: it, it is and you never know what can happen i mean i mentioned jp and abe you know i mean they 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 wouldn't be writing these books together and wouldn't have like forged his friendship um you know i i probably wouldn't have gone full-time as a writer and quit my job if joanna hadn't been sitting in front of me at a dinner table and drinking <laughs> and, and told me to quit my job like if she'd said that over zoom it had been like but yeah. she wouldn't have because we'd spent this week hanging out and she got yeah. to know me, got to know my situation and stuff. And, um, yeah. and, and I don't know, like that was a life changing moment that happened for me just because we all took this risk and went and did this crazy thing together. You know? Yeah. So power.
1: that is power, man.
0: So you mentioned earlier too, um, you know, now obviously, you know, we still make the joke. We'll still call you sometimes like Mark formerly of Kobo yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and I know you're still close with, uh, with Tara and the team and stuff over there. And, um, yeah. but, but you obviously did a lot over there for, um, f- for, you know, you were there launching their whole independent publishing platform. I mean, you were yeah. kind of the, the godfather of doing that over at Kobo for, <laughs> for lack of better terms, but, uh, but, but you'd mentioned, you know, you left there and then you, um, your intention was really to write full-time before you end up at draft digital right?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, uh Kobo was a brilliant opportunity when Michael Tamlin brought me in and he said, hey, we need a solution for self-publishing. Hired you as director of self-publishing and author relations. Go figure out what we're going to do. Like, what an amazing experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You know i built that built the team tara was uh one of my first hires uh great to see her in charge of the team now yeah uh so that was awesome i built such an amazing team i actually made myself redundant which was it's the whole goal when you build a team yeah and i got to a point where it's like okay one in every four books that sells on kobo is coming from this platform it is a huge success i don't want to go up i'm not interested in going up i want to go sideways Uh, And so I got to a certain point where my partner was very supportive of the idea that, okay, it's time to try this full-time writing thing, because I'd never done it full-time. It was only like, okay, I work 80 hours a week. Let's fit in five hours here, 10 hours there, take a few days off, right? Uh, And I did that for a while, but I realized because I'm a procrastinator and I need deadlines, I write to contract. If I have a contract for a book with a traditional publisher, of course, I'm always going to hit my deadline. Uh, if I've hired an editor uh, ahead of time I get the manuscript to them on time because I don't want to miss that window when they can edit for me so what I found though is if I didn't have anything forcing me if I had too much time I started a podcast the same time you and Jay started uh, earlier iteration of your podcast career author podcast and and I remember starting it at the same time and uh I think I'm getting a beer delivery right now. So I may have to go to the door because they won't just leave it there, but just. uh, (laughs) Okay. yeah, That's fine. I can, I
0: can edit it if you need. It's okay. Or not.
1: Uh, I'm just looking at the van there. I think it is my beer guy. So I'm going to have to to step out, but um, I realized I had to have work to do to keep me busy. And consulting was so hit and miss in terms of like, I had clients that didn't have clients when I was at Novelist Sync at the end of the year talking to Chris Austin, the CEO, and, and I realized they were looking for someone like me to do a certain role. I was like, well, can I do 20 hours a week? <laughs> because that would give me enough pressure that I wouldn't have enough free time. So I would get more writing done. But it would also give me an opportunity to work with really smart people and build really cool things uh, because I loved what draft digital was offering. So it was almost like the best of both worlds. And my partner, Liz, also had kicked me in that direction because we were at a conference together earlier that year, and an author who was traditionally published wanted to learn more about digital. And I, he's like, he's asking me for help. And I kept saying, well, Kobo can do this for you, and Kobo can do that, Kobo can do that, Kobo can do this. And Liz said afterwards, why were you limiting him? I said, what do you mean? I was like, just seeing how we can help him from Kobo. He goes, he didn't want Kobo's help, he wanted your help. And so I realized with the step from draft to digital was I wasn't just thinking about one retailer I was thinking about everything. Yeah. And draft to digital has allowed me to think about everything. I help authors who are exclusive to Amazon with my draft to digital hat on. Yeah. Because if if we're there to help authors and figure out ways that they can be successful, it doesn't really matter what we how we help them so long as we're helping them and every once in a while it may actually make money for draft to digital. So it was, it was the best of both worlds. It was perfect. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better uh, opportunity. I'm so lucky I get to work with these people, but I'm also so lucky because I've, I've gotten more writing done.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so, do you need to go get your beer?
1: No, I think it's a, no, it's a, it's a food delivery. It's HelloFresh. So, it's oh, okay, not-
0: cool. Okay, cool. Whew,
1: if it was beer, they wouldn't leave it at the door. They have to show I'd have to show my ID. Cause I, I don't look like I could be 19.
0: <laughs> i've been thinking about trying HelloFresh, so i had to get, get on that but you
1: know what we did it uh, we did it last week for four meals and uh it's pretty cool i'm not yeah. i'm not fond of the packaging of like the extra pack- plastic and stuff but oh my god so convenient <laughs> yeah i have
0: <laughs> i have cooked it at a friend's house before um I, I went over and uh my my friend randa she she made she made it one night and I, so i got to see it and stuff and it was really really cool um, but, but I've been thinking about trying it for myself just cause it seems really easy. But, uh, but what kind of, what kind of beer do you have on the way? That's the real question.
1: Uh, there's an independent, uh, place called Bevy Bureau, which ha- uses independent, uh, craft brewers from mostly Ontario, but all over the place. And you can go and get like a bottle of this or a bottle of that. So you can get beer from 20 different breweries. That's awesome. And I think I had like 20 or 24 different beers and yeah, usually every few weeks I just order from them and it's next day delivery (laughs) so it's like five dollar delivery charge right we've
0: talked about beer before but i know it's been a couple years but kind of what's your what's your go-to are you like an ipa guy or
1: my go-to is a beer i haven't had before i always want to try something new now default i will usually go for an ipa if i'm not sure what i want i love stouts i love porters um i love ales i love i mean i i I haven't met a beer i haven't enjoyed well one only one ever of the thousands of beers I've, i've tried but um Yeah, I think IPA is probably a standard uh, that I'll always go for, but I will try whatever I haven't had. So I have the app. I have the untapped app and I check, religiously check the app, which is much to (laughs) the annoyance of my friends. I go, well, what do you want? Well, hang on. I want to see what I haven't had yet because I can't remember uh, if I've had it uh, most of the time, right?
0: That makes me more annoyed that you didn't get to come down here for the summit because there's so many good breweries here in Nashville.
1: (laughs) I look forward forward to it and I was so sad I couldn't make it to Nashville. Not,
0: um, not to mention we're we're like an hour from jack daniels so <laughs> oh that would
1: have been an amazing like it's in a historic place too when you yeah think about that.
0: yeah it was uh, my buddy daniel wilcox was uh, he was he was disappointed because he was supposed to come over too and uh, we had we had a whole thing planned i was going to take him to jack daniels and stuff but we didn't get to do it so but uh, hopefully he'll make it over here. Hopefully you guys will make it at some point. I mean, you've been to Nashville, right? I, think, I had right? never been to Nashville. Oh, really? okay. Wow. Yeah, I never I'm a little been. surprised so, with as much traveling as you've done that you've never come.
1: Uh, to. I may. I know. I don't think I connected through like, yeah, there's cities I've connected through. <laughs> I've never been in, right? But uh, Nashville, no, I hadn't. So it would have been my crazy. first
0: time. That's yeah. crazy. I'm surprised I you know, had not been to a conference or anything here. That's that's interesting.
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. It would have been the first time. So huh. I just uh, and I was and I was hoping to go visit the good folks at Ingram uh, when I was in town. I was going yeah. to do an extended stay and go go visit the facilities because they've been threatening uh, for, for years. My, my local Canadian Ingram rep, who I've known for more than a decade, is like, we got to get you down to the warehouse so you can check things out and see how it operates. I'm like, I'd love to.
0: You could have come and hung out at my house. So I, I can literally walk to Ingram from my house.
1: Oh, my God. That's amazing. I'm seriously,
0: <laughs> every time <laughs> I go to the interstate, I pass down Ingram Boulevard so wow it's, i'm that close <laughs> so i made the joke though to I, I tried to go visit there several times and i finally it was joanna i had to reach out to to get me a connection so like in order to go to a place i could walk to i had to call my friend in the uk okay. to get yeah. me over
1: there so. i funny i just uh, a, a patron of my podcast um who lives in my neighborhood, who found out about me because I was on the Great Ben podcast. Oh, really? And then she put two and two together and go, Wait, the guy with the dad jokes on his house and the skeleton? Because his son <laughs> goes to school across the street from my house. And her son always wants to swing by, see the skeleton, how he's dressed up, and and the stupid dad joke that I always put on the on change every day. And she goes, That's you <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> awesome. You put dad jokes outside your house, like on a scroll type? of thing?
1: Yeah, when the pandemic started. So I mean, Barnaby was always on the front step, like throughout the year and, and whatever. Uh, and then I had a little chalkboard uh, beside him on a bench that Liz had built. And, and, and when the pandemic started, people couldn't go anywhere. So they were doing a lot more walking. And I thought, I'm going to try and enlighten like things are stressful things that people are freaked out. There's a lot of anxiety. Let me do because I love dad jokes let me just change a dad joke do a different joke every day give them something funny to look at and it just became a thing. I mean I, there, there's been times people have dropped envelopes off when it, it was my birthday one year and then Liz changed the sign and said honk and wish Mark happy birthday because I work from home and I can you know my front window right of the, I can see the front yard from the window uh even at a monty python sign uh you're entering the ministry of silly walks commence silly walking <laughs> immediately and i have like some samples of the john cleese walks and, and then people like, drop off gift cards for me like for tim hortons which is kind of like a dunkin donuts up here in yeah, Canada. yeah yeah and uh, this is like hey thank you for the entertainment uh, we just hear something for you and i was like hey i, I like coffee
0: <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's yeah, I definitely, know, I'm, I'm definitely familiar with Tim Hortons. I'm a big enough hockey fan to know. Uh, oh, there you Have go. seen Tim Hortons on enough boards at hockey games up in Canada to know. <laughs> <laughs> and he
1: was, a, and he was a hockey player. That's that's what was his retirement plan was starting that chain in Hamilton, Ontario, where I lived uh, for ten years.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm actually going to um, there's a there's a NHL stadium series outdoor game here in Nashville on Saturdays to record this oh wow um, the the predators are playing the lightning at nissan stadium where the tennessee titans play football and uh and but it's it's gonna be fun it's it's like right now it is 61 degrees outside so uh, like it's probably gonna be in the 50s or 60s when i go to that game
1: on saturday night how how, how is the ice gonna um... so
0: they 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 can do it <laughs> they um they they've actually said that they could do an outdoor game in florida um i don't think they've done it yet but they have the technology where they can keep the ice cold enough under right um, now it does affect the ice on top um and, and the you know with the humidity and stuff like that but it won't be i mean they did one in dallas last year or in 2020 oh, okay. so they'll, they'll be I'd able like to, to do to see it.
1: it it's going to be a little bit uh like when they just uh, the zamboni just comes out and then you fall on the ice and it's still wet
0: yeah <laughs> it it won't be like the winter classic that happened earlier this year where it was minus nine degrees at one point. Oh my God. It was the coldest game in NHL history. (laughs) That's like
1: uh, Saskatchewan in Canada, right?
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've dude. I've never been to Canada, but I always, uh, I definitely want to come up to the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's like a big bucket list thing for me. I would love to see a game at every arena up there, but I would definitely at at least love to go to Toronto and Montreal. Yeah, you know what was
1: fun is uh, I when I lived in Hamilton, uh, the um,
0: the Bulldogs, right? I know what they're called. Bulldogs, which were the farm team, perhaps. Yeah.
1: And my son and I,
0: cause I could afford
1: them. It was like 35 bucks a ticket, not $500 a ticket. And yeah. it was down the street. So it was like a six block walk for us to go see a bulldogs game, go get wings from anchor bar, which is like based on the, you know, the original wing place in Buffalo. So it was a small chain, go get some wings, go to a bulldogs game and sit right behind the bench where my son could cheer on the, the, the home team players. Um, and we did actually see, uh, we saw an exhibition game. Uh, with Toronto uh, Maple Leafs uh, there because it was a preseason game, so we could actually afford it because it was thirty five. Yeah, I know it's. I, crazy I'd, I'd never be able game. to afford uh, a, a Maple Leaf game.
0: Yeah, I know. I know it's that's one thing fortunate about here is it's like the the t- the Predators are really pro- popular, but it's still like really affordable to go to a game here. So Yeah, that's a that's one thing I'm definitely thankful for. So, yeah. but uh, you you said something earlier too, coming all the way back around that that I that I wanted to touch on was. Um, when you, when you made your, you know, when you made that transition and you talked about deadlines and all this stuff, I mean, um, yeah, one thing that I talk to authors about a lot is, uh, and you weren't exact, you weren't saying this exactly, but it just brought it up is, um, uh, you know, I tell authors, I'm like, you know, sometimes I wrote more when I had a full-time job (laughs) (laughs) just because, I was way less likely to procrastinate. Like now that it's all I have to do during the day. I mean, it's sometimes some days it's like hard for me just to get my butt down in the chair. Cause I keep saying, Oh, I can, uh, I'm, I'm going to go do the dishes really quick. I'm gonna do this. And then like, you keep pushing things back and, you know, uh, so I don't know, like sometimes having that job there and knowing your time to ride is limited can be really, really helpful. hundred uh, percent.
1: I will sometimes go to, a, uh, I remember going uh, to taking my son to karate, for example, uh, or when I was taken into a, a tutor when he was younger, um, I would go drop him off at the tutors, go to a Tim Hortons zone that they'd have like a 20 minute time limit. And so I was like, okay, I've got 20 minutes to write. And then and then I'd pack up my laptop, go up, get another coffee. I got 20 minutes. And, and so even doing that, even sometimes going to the library, just because you're like, oh, I found a table. Uh, and I, once I get up, I'm going to lose it because yeah. you go to the washroom or whatever. So I'm going to make the most out of this time. So I think that's the key is, yeah, you have the whole day, you get up and go woohoo the whole day, but I have the whole day, but I have a meeting at 9.00 AM. Okay. I'm getting up at five thirty, And for the first two hours, it's nothing but writing. Right. Yeah. And then I can do whatever I want the rest of the day. So long as I get the words out first for me, that's, that's key.
0: Yeah. And I think for me. You know, um, some stuff that's helped me is for a long time, I was like, oh, I don't need like deadlines don't work for me. They just make me stressed out. But at the same time, deadlines kind of make me stressed out. So they make me yeah. less likely to procrastinate. Um, and, 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 you know, also when I'm editing, when I'm editing manuscripts, like I, you know, I have this book coming up. Um, you know, I have to get that time slot in. Like I have to do that for them. So it's like, okay, well I got to make the most of my writing time when I have it and stuff like that. But, but I, I know when I was, had a full-time job, um, the type of stuff you were just talking about, like I've got 20 minutes, you know, my, my son's at karate or whatever, you know, like all this stuff going on. I I was more likely to want to write in those times than I do now, because now it's like, well, that's my full-time job. I'm not going to like take time to do like, it's just an interesting mindset thing that I don't think obviously I'm so thankful. I get to do what I'm doing. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not complaining about it, but I just think that it's perception, you know, that people think they're going to write a whole lot more and all this stuff just because they're full-time when it's not necessarily the case.
1: Yeah. I think that, that, that sectioning off of the calendar was a, was a huge win for me for my writing and I needed it desperately.
0: So now you said like with Draft Digital, I know you're part-time there. Um, so, uh, so I mean, you, you've you been able to uh, really focus on your writing and, and still have this, uh, you know, like you said, take this amazing opportunity uh, over draft to digital So like, what is, I'm curious, and, and I know that with you, with traveling, with meetings and stuff, this is a hard question to answer, but like, yeah. do you have like a typical day for Mark Leslie, like, do you have Uh, any type of structure when you're able to write? so here's typical Uh,
1: typical is monday through friday i wake up at 5 30 i feed the dogs i feed the cats i put on the coffee i take my blood pressure because i have to religiously monitor it because i have high blood pressure ironically the guy says blood pressure and coffee in the same sentence but (laughs) (laughs) um then i start writing and, and, I, and I, then I wake up Liz for seven, a little after seven, put her coffee on, get her off to work. Then I either go back to writing or I get into my work day. Uh, now, so I'm an hour ahead of the, my, my colleagues in Oklahoma. So usually my, my 9.30 is their 8.30, right? And they're starting to show up at the office and start, uh, they're online. So then I'm interacting with them. I'm also interacting with authors all over the place so I mean I have to be on social media because authors are asking questions in like Facebook groups like wide for the win or any of the other Facebook groups where authors hang out they're tagging me on Twitter they're asking questions they're emailing me I'm constantly responding. So I'm kind of on 24 seven.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, weekends or whatever to me again I should be more precious with my time but even yesterday was family day and Liz was off and Alexander was off he wasn't working he wasn't at school Uh, he was with his mom but I had uh, uh, meetings all day you know I had drafted digital stuff I had one-on-ones with authors I had um, a podcast interview I was doing uh, and a couple other follow-ups i had to do with people plus i was doing some stuff for superstars writing seminar so it was kind of like the whole day i was working now my draft digital work it's about it's rough it's 20 hours a week some weeks i'll put in 40 hours for draft digital other weeks i'll put in 10 yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it's kind of hit and miss right um and it also never stops like i'm in contact with the team pretty much 24/7 uh, even even when I've been camping and officially on holiday, I still will jump into the Slack channel and deal with things or answer questions because really it's only five minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm so lucky that I get to work remotely that uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I, I would rather give more than I take and I would rather nobody ever suspects that I'm taking advantage. I would rather be, again, it's the same thing when I, when I do consultations with people. I want them to feel like they got really good value for this. I don't want them to go, Oh my God, I had to spend that much money. Like what a waste of my time. What a waste of my money. Um, I don't want anyone to ever feel uh, that they weren't getting a good, uh, a good deal in the process. So that's kind of my intrinsic motivation for, for the stuff that I do. Um, and I'm, and I'm damn lucky. I get to do this. Like, really? Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that too. I mean, the fact that you've been in the book industry for so long and and gotten to be around something you love, I mean, I I'm the same way. I mean, I, I've pretty much my job before this, um, I worked for, um, one of the biggest musical instrument manufacturers in the world and I'm a, you know, I spent most of my twenties playing in, uh, rock I mean, metal bands and stuff. So I was able to be around music. I was able, um, you know, the company I worked for uh, was sponsored some of my favorite drummers. I got to meet, go to concerts for free. Like, I, I got to do some really cool stuff. You know, and and now I'm getting to be in the book industry and write for a living. So, uh, I'm I'm right there with you. It's 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 definitely it's definitely stuff that I'm I don't take for granted. And I'm very grateful for.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we can wake up and go, yay! It's another day. Uh, yeah. What do I get to do today?
0: Absolutely. You know, yeah. and and I mean, and, and on that too, though, I mean, also, um, you know, yes, there is an amount of privilege to it, for sure. There absolutely yeah. is. But also, you know, I saw a lot of 4am's before I went to my job and was like working my tail off to get to this point, you know, Exactly. so it, it was like a lot of a lot of work that uh that, that paid off. So, yeah. but um, oh, well, I was gonna say, was the harder like, you work,
1: the luckier you got.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely worked pretty freaking hard. So, <laughs> uh, I know I was going to ask you, um, uh, does, does Liz work at home?
1: No, she's a principal of
0: a K to K to six. That's school. right. Uh, okay. Yeah. So,
1: um, it, it's a little bit different here in Canada, but, uh, and she is just so, she's such a phenomenal leader. I've seen her in action and honestly, she's not the kind of principal who, uh, sits in her office and, and, and closes the door and goes, ha ha, I'm an admin. I don't need to do anything. She's right in there with the kids. She, she knows every kid's name. She knows their siblings' names, even if they don't go to the school. She knows the parents' names. She's such a wonderful people person. I, I, I wish I could be more like her because yeah, I, I can't always remember people's names. It's kind of like, I know I know you. But I can't remember your name. <laughs> she is phenomenal. And then, and then she does all her admin stuff at home. So okay. she is a bit of a workaholic like me. Uh, so yeah, you know, at night it's like after dinner, we have dinner together and then I go up and go, well, I'm just going to work on a couple things for, for draft to digital or for a client of mine or something like that. Or, um, and then she's going, well, I have to email some parents and I have to call some parents or I have to do whatever. So we, we have this thing and, and then we'll meet, okay. And we're going to watch the Ozark tonight. Like we're going to get, watch a couple episodes of that or, or whatever we're binging yeah. <laughs> at the time. Uh, and, or, or puzzles. Oh my God. Puzzles have been, um. Uh, we at Christmas time it was the first time this year that we had all our kids, like her three daughters and my son, and all all of us were together for the first time in two years. And uh, we got a, a jigsaw puzzle that we just had in the living room for anyone who wanted to just get away from the family and go. You know, so it was just set up the whole three yeah, days. yeah. And it was such a great experience that we keep buying puzzles. So now it's kind of like a fun afternoon, like on Sunday you know, uh, we have coffee and we are just, we're both like standing around the dining room table, uh, and just got the jigsaw puzzle out there and we're working on it together while maybe listening to music or, or we're each listening to podcasts. I, mean, I was listening to you and Jay and JD, and she was listening to Smartless podcasts or something like that. And we're both listening to different podcasts with the, uh, you know, the, um, the bone condenser headphones oh
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah th- those are amazing because you can still hear ambient noise but you can still be listening to stuff so they're great when i'm driving too but um yeah so she does not work from home uh she did for a while during i was the gonna window. say
0: probably so for a little bit uh, yeah. she
1: did um she had her office down in the basement it was the farthest away from me not that she wanted to be away from me but she was she was doing her meetings i was doing mine yeah and we even hosted a, a show for the teachers. It was a 15-minute morning show. It was kind of like a huddle with the teachers every morning because they were all working remotely. And it was like a talk show. Uh, it was called D- Distance Daily Uh, and, uh, and it was funny. I was, I was the comedic, (laughs) I was the Ed McMahon to her Johnny Carson. Um, but it was a fun show. And what we did with the teachers was okay, show me, show me the oldest expired food that you still have in the house. And people would send in pictures and stuff or show me what you did on the weekend. And, and it was a real great team building experience for teachers who, you know, missed kind of hanging out and, and talking to one another in the staff room and stuff. So it was a really great, Opportunity for us to go, wow, I think Liz and I could host a talk show if we wanted to.
0: <laughs> that that's awesome. I mean, that's that's so cool that y'all were doing that type of stuff. Because I know um you know, teachers are already underappreciated underappreciated as it is. And then seeing what they went through during the pandemic, and you know, I mean, my daughter was doing kindergarten on an iPad. I mean, like, oh my
1: god, yeah, I mean, that's, imagine that's gotta be tough. Yeah,
0: dude, it was. Like I'm actually surprised how well she did, but like the the teachers, I mean, I just can't. I mean, they deserve all the kudos, <laughs> pats on the back, claps in the world, you know. And and also, yeah. but they're you know for to have that leadership support of the principal and the person who's running the school is just as crucial, you know. Yeah. So it's it's awesome to hear that you know Liz was. It, it does such a good job and that you guys were offering some comedic relief and stuff during uh, what was a stressful time for a lot of people yeah you know?
1: it, it was a really tough time uh, i mean my son did not do well with distant learning if it wasn't for he's 17 but if it wasn't for the part-time job he had that he would not it would not have been good at least he got to go do his part-time job and do something different see something different interact with people differently rather than being stuck in the house the whole time
0: so for him it was like a social thing like yeah it was
1: for him like yeah he was so happy when he could just hang out with his friends again uh in the lunchroom in the high school and like his marks shot up when he went back to school <laughs> when he was working from home it was just not the same uh that, so yeah. for, again for him it was not a good experience. Um, Whereas for other people it's like, yeah, I, I learned better. <laughs> I learned better this way. Yeah. I, what I hope we I hope we come out of this, and I know we're not going to learn anything because we never do as humans. Nope. Um, is is just realize that the education system um, it, it needs to be reformed in a way that kids learn differently. Some kids prosper interacting with others. Other kids are just happily introverted and just like, hey, just show me the screen, and I, I, I learn visually or I learn auditory. Um, and, and I think we had an opportunity to realize that we could really revolutionize the way people learn. And, and we didn't, right. We just yeah. like went back to the old, Oh, let's train good little factory workers here. <laughs>
0: the- yeah. Yeah. Like I think that my school district does still have like a virtual school, but yeah. I don't know how long that's going to last. You know, I mean, I think the same thing with the workplace. Like I I, I yeah. saw a big opportunity for the workplace. And I think in some instances, instances it has, yeah. but like you were talking earlier about, you know, Oh, like, I want to make sure I do my work. I'm not cheating anybody or whatever, but like having worked in office setting for 10 years before I was uh, at this job, like there's a ton of time wasted, oh, you know, yeah, it just, just because of the 40 hour work week and that whole idea that you have to work for like you know how much busy work ends up happening in the office that's not productive work and and i i felt like it was a really good opportunity for companies to be like look people are happier at home we can save a ton of money by not having a building and having all this overhead and some companies saw this yeah yeah but but i but i was really hoping to see a bigger transformation and how people work and it has been pretty drastic and um but i don't know like it still seems like a lot of people are still falling into that whole cycle of the 40-hour yeah. work week go sit in a cubicle blah 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 blah, blah when it's like no we could have <laughs> learned a lot more during all this about yeah and work. i mean
1: my one of the reasons uh, i wanted to move away from kobo is it was i was spending between two to four hours a day on the highway going into work
0: that's terrible are you kidding me two to four yeah. hours that
1: alone is writing time Great writing time, a lot of writing time. Yeah, okay, great. I got to listen to more podcasts and audiobooks. Okay, I I did have that benefit. But really, when I worked from home, I could sleep in, start work earlier, work later, (laughs) and then like turn around and go, okay, like Liz says, okay, dinner's ready. And I get up from my desk and I'm downstairs in two minutes, not, uh, you know, okay, I'll be home in an hour and a half.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, it makes a huge difference. I mean, it it definitely takes a certain discipline that I think a lot of people realize. I mean, I talked to a lot of people who were all of a sudden working at home and they would come to me and they'd be like, oh my, I don't know, like, this is like, how did you adjust to this? You know, like knowing that I'd been working from home for a while now. I was like, yeah, it's an adjustment because it's really easy to get distracted at home and be like, oh, I need to go do those dishes or like, oh, I'm just yeah. going to go load the laundry really quick. And then on your way to the laundry, you end up, oh, I need, I need to go pick that. You can find a lot of distractions.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I, I'll just go to the grocery store now because it's not going to be as busy. Exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's, but you got to be disciplined and you got to make time for that stuff later and understand you have a job to do. So, but it's uh, it's definitely an adjustment. So, but, uh, so what have you been, what have you been working on? Like what's kind of been uh, like writing wise, like in your writing, what what's kind of been some stuff you've been working on lately?
1: So uh, a lot of things, uh, books for writers, right? So taking my 30 years of experience in the industry and just helping writers. So I've got the Stark uh, Publishing Solutions imprints with, you know, Wide for the Win, obviously being my most popular book and Killing yeah. It on Kobo and Seven P's of publishing success, uh, working with uh, bookstores and libraries, taking all that experience and just rolling out books. I've got accounting for authors. I'm co-authoring with um, D.F. Hart and Deanna is an MBA. Uh, So it's mostly Deanna doing all the hard work and then me coming in as as the dumb guy who doesn't really know finance very well. And, and, and asking stupid questions, or at least to help making sure the authors are, hey, okay, I know this is scary, but just, just, just pay attention. By the time she gets to the end of this chapter, you'll understand this concept. Um, so that's coming out. Um, I think the biggest move I made was after years and years of coaching and mentoring authors and telling them, you gotta write in a series. I actually finally in 2020 started listening to myself and actually taking my own advice. And that's when I started with my Canadian Werewolf series. Instead of it just being a novel, I turned it into a series. Because I had four different books out that were book one and what could have been a series. (laughs) And it wasn't until I actually, I now have four books out in the Canadian Werewolf series that I realized, wow, that Mark really knew what he was talking about when he suggested you. (laughs) series. like, he should listen to himself more. (laughs) Sometimes he knows what he's talking about. Um, That was a huge thing. And I just love... I'm having so much fun with that universe with uh, interacting with fans and people discovering it and, and just playing with the werewolf tropes and, and making my own thing out of it rather than following, you know, the, some of the standard things. I mean, obviously when you have a, a monster like that, that's well known, there's a lot of different ways you can approach it, but I have just been having an absolute blast uh, with that series. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun.
0: So what's been really fun about it? Like, do you have a, is there a, kind of comedic aspect to it and stuff because yeah. i could see with you that that would totally just like light well yeah
1: so a canadian werewolf in new york is book one i mean book three is fear and longing in los angeles uh you know book four is fright nights big city so the titles themselves are a play a cheeky play like wait a second this is somewhat familiar but not um my main character is a is a beta human alpha wolf he's a pushover canadian living in a big city so he's kind of like nervous when he goes into fights with the bad guys and obviously cracks a lot of jokes so there's a lot of humor which i'm just because again you wake up naked in battery park with a bullet hole in your leg and the taste of human blood in your mouth and go what the hell did i do last night i mean that's (laughs) your typical morning so because you have no memory of what you did as a wolf i mean how could that not be if, if you don't laugh you'll cry yeah. uh how could that not be somewhat humorous when you're like okay how am i gonna get some clothes and get home where am i now <laughs> what? so i've had so much fun with the the characters so much fun with uh, just putting michael uh, andrews in these uh, weird situations where he has to use his extra powers to try and figure his way out and and it's just been it's been a blast uh so i've been enjoying that aspect i mean i even um uh, speaking of Tennessee uh Alicia Witt uh lives there now she's a musician an indie musician who I adore completely and I uh, as part of one of our kickstarters I actually had her write a custom song where she performed live and and helped me propose to Liz uh on my 50th oh, birthday nice. here in Toronto um but because I you know I've gotten to sort of know her uh you know through social media and, and connecting and obviously uh she, she wrote our love song for us um and Liz said yes, by the way, so that's good. Nice, but congrats. <laughs> she's an indie music musician, so she's not with a label. So I have a scene where she was living in LA at the time With this book is set, 2017. I had a scene in Fear and Longing in Los Angeles where Michael goes to LA. He's all clumped because his girlfriend dumped him and he's about to get ready for new love. And he sees her playing at the hotel cafe where she used to play regularly in, in, in LA. And I have a scene where he's in the bar and she's on stage and she's singing some of her songs and her songs help Michael, my main character, kind of grieve and go through the, like Phil Collins kind of sad songs, say so much sort of things. Oh, that's, I know that's an Elton John reference, but uh, so I have this scene where uh, Alicia, and then I have Alicia interacting with him. And, uh, and I sent it to her and I said, hey, I hope it's okay. I have my main character being inspired by your music because i have seen her live shows. She's an amazing performer. And said, Hey, is it okay if I do this? And is this is this okay? Is this realistic? Because I have her actually talking to Michael at the end of the set because she sees him crying and goes over to see if he's okay. And 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 she goes, Oh my god, this is exactly what I would have said in the situation. And I'm like, Yeah, well, I've seen you in action. I know, I know the kind of person you are. She gave me permission to use her lyrics in the book. Oh, that's indie, cool. Because she's indie, so she could yeah. in the audio book she let me use clips of her song. So as Michael talks about the song, and in, in the, so you actually, it segues into a clip from her song with the lyrics that are printed in the book. And then it comes back out of it. And when the song ends, and That's she let awesome. me use all of that. And I was like, so amazing that, uh, because I love her music. I wanted, I wanted, actually, this is really an advertisement for people to go check out her music. <laughs> it's almost like, I am like, hey, she's an awesome musician. You should go buy all her stuff uh but she was so gracious in letting me do that um that it's just again it's just been part of the experience of writing this series like i can have a fictional character interact with someone that i respect and admire and it's actually a cool thing um now i did not get david letterman's permission to have him on the david letterman show but i haven't been sued yet so
0: (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say i uh in one of my books I had, I, I made a reference to my, my buddy Kelby is in a, a, a popular country rock band called the Cadillac three. Okay. Um, but they're, but they're on a, like a major label and stuff. So yeah. I had, I couldn't use any lyrics or anything
1: like yeah, that. You'd have but, to pay like a hundred thousand dollars for use of, 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 you know, just the lyrics or anything. it's something
0: crazy. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. but if you see what these musicians now, like, you know, the trend going around is all these musicians are selling their catalogs. And if you see how much money they're getting, it's like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to sell their catalog. It's like, OK, like there, there is a lot of money to be made music licensing. <laughs> I,
1: would, I would think so. Yes, I would think so. Yeah. It's
0: it's it's pretty nuts. So, well, that's awesome, man. That's, and that's really cool that you've been able to kind of shift writing series. I actually uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show, I was having a conversation with my buddy, Chad Lutsky. And Chad writes horror and has really struggled to write series for, for multiple reasons. Like for one, yeah. because it's hard, it's hard to do in horror, but also he just, he, he has trouble writing novels, like stuff longer than a novella, which I told him, I'm like, well, just get that term, ter- those terms out of your head and just write books. Yeah, like, yeah. Th- especially with digital, like you're looking at it from a traditional term. Like most people reading books on, uh, uh, ebook, ebook readers, you know, Kindles, Kobos, whatever, like don't care about that no they
1: just want a good story <laughs> they right? just
0: want a good story yeah you know and but but even still like it's it's you know he was having trouble writing an overarching thing and all that but like it's you know you've got a character you love and and all that stuff so it's uh yeah it's it's good when you've got something you really want to be doing for sure yeah
1: that made a huge difference for me uh, a significant difference and it's like oh this is how things sell
0: <laughs> <laughs> it makes a big t- it's funny i have like i have stand. i, I I actually prefer to read standalone novels over series yeah. like, yeah, and but I know that's not the norm and I have several standalone books. I really want to write, but I'm just not doing it now. It's like yeah. the, the kind of the way I look at it is um, I'm buying myself the time to do that later. Like, yeah. so I'm building this backlist and doing series and stuff where I can like sustain myself enough to take the time to be able to write a standalone, which hopefully I will, um, the other thing, part of it is I want to try to get it. I want to try to go the traditional route yeah, when I do yeah, a course. standalone. And I figure if I can't get an agent, then I'll just self-publish it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, and I love that. I mean, I, I'm both trad published and indie published. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not, if the right deal is there, uh, I, to be quite honest, getting my books through traditional publishers is the only way I'm going to see them in bookstores. Yeah right if i want and i've had that luxury of walking into a bookstore in in vegas and and finding a couple copies of my book on the shelf or in florida or wherever it's like that i'm sorry but that that i know it's complete vanity publishing when you think of it that way but um nothing beats walking into a bookstore and seeing one of your books on the shelf that you had no idea they had and you go oh that is such a cool experience i'm sorry it, it makes me nothing virtually nothing because i only make 8% off those sales but wow what a cool thing
0: (laughs) but that but that's the thing like it's that's something that is valuable to you like that's something that you strive for that's why i don't like if people want to hit the usa today list like would that be cool yeah that'd be neat but like that's not something i'm striving for like it would be but it would be cool to walk into a bookstore and see one of my books like you know the um Having a movie or a TV show would be amazing, like for one of my books. But, like, I would I, my real, my big long term thing I want to do is I want to write a video game. Like, oh, I yeah. want to write,
1: I, a I, I, game. if you don't, I would be very disappointed. <laughs> <'cause this is laughs> I would be des- too. <laughs> your destiny is to write a video game that people can interact with and yeah. feel like, oh my god, what a great story on its own.
0: But then I got to participate in this.
1: Yeah. That to me is that that is going to be your penultimate achievement as i
0: I hope so like i'm sitting here watching right now because one of the um uh, one of the biggest game releases of the year comes out this week is a recording elden ring and uh, like people waiting this game for years and george r R. martin did the world building for it so (laughs) so it's like it's i'm sitting there i'm like man that's that's really like obviously, I may never get to George R. R. Martin level, but that doesn't mean I can't work on a game. At some oh, your point, beard's so. way
1: better than his, anyways. I think so, too. Yeah, I think I, so. Yeah. I, I
0: agree. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that that's amazing. And like that would be part of the goal for me with getting a traditional publishing deal. Like I have my own whys of why I want to do it. And I think that a lot of indies specifically make the mistake of looking at it as a this or that type of thing, they don't exactly. look at it as like once you have a traditional deal, that doesn't mean that you have to stay that way. Like I look no. at it as a book by book decision. And there's like one thing I've learned from JD is there's a lot of agents who are looking at like that, like his agent, Kristen Nelson, who is amazing. And she represents, she
1: is so ahead Bastard. of you know Yeah, I figured you knew who she
0: was. Yeah. That, like, and JD will tell you, he's like, I'm so lucky to have Kristen, you know, but she, yeah. uh, you know, she will tell JD straight up, like, I, this is a really good book, but I think you'd be better off indie publishing this. Yeah, so
1: Kristen, I, I met her at a conference a number of years ago. I know she's uh, Hugh Howey's agent as well. Yeah, Josh and, and, and again, just you, yeah. you don't even have to talk to her for more than five minutes to realize just how forward thinking and open-minded she is. 100%. She's like that next level of agent that I think the world needs more of that's open. Hey, how can I help you get a deal? Oh, I can't get a deal for you here. You should self-publish this because this will be a better moneymaker for you. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, like she is, she is one of the forerunners, the leaders uh, in that. And obviously JD knows that and yeah.
0: recognizes yeah. that. Yeah. So like for me, you know, I definitely want to try to go the traditional publishing route, but I'm just not, I'm just waiting. Like it's the, you know, I'm waiting for the right time trying to, again, like kind of buy myself the time to be able to really put effort into a novel that I would then try to sell. And yeah. it'll most likely be in my genre. Like the the couple yeah. of ideas I have are post-apoc and stuff. So um, and if they don't work out then like i said i'll just indie publish them and they might not make a ton of money but yeah you yeah. have the
1: choices right like it's it's your ip you can license it however you want so
0: and that's the beauty of where we're living right now i mean like where we have it is uh the internet has brought a lot of, it's knocked down a lot of gatekeepers for yeah. us and 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 made things like this possible and you know, you and I didn't even get to talk. Well, I have to have you on again sometime because we didn't even get into talk. Well, we didn't talk about you being a dad very much. But we also <laughs> didn't talk about, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff you've been involved with with AI and all that type of stuff that's coming. So we'll have to come on and have another conversation. I'm going to be
1: a really good AI dad, I think.
0: Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope the world doesn't come to well, that. Well, I'm a,
1: I am a, I am a, I am a kind of an eye dad because my dad jokes make my son's eyes roll all the time. That's a consistent thing.
0: <laughs> well man uh it's been awesome talking to you i mean like I, I yeah i told you before we came on i didn't even prep anything because i knew you and i wouldn't have any problems filling an we're, hour. we're
1: just we're just gonna chinwag for a while together absolutely yeah so uh uh
0: man if there's anything you want to promote like tell people where they can find you online draft whatever you want to talk about that your well
1: you know what uh marklesley.ca. uh if you're interested in anything related to me including the dad jokes etc all my social media links are there uh, DraftDigital.com if you're looking for free solutions for controlling your own self-publishing empire.
0: Nice, awesome. Well, Mark, man, I really appreciate you coming on, and spending some time with me, man. This has been awesome.
1: Always a blast, Zach. So much. Thanks so much.
0: I will hopefully see you later this year. It's going to happen. We're going to yes. make sure it happens. Yes, we will. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Creator Dad Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join the official Creator Dad Discord community where fellow Creator Dads like you and me connect to discuss our creative endeavors, parenting, relationships, music, movies, and TV, sports, money, all the things that dudes love to talk about. Get all the details at patreon.com slash creator dad.